Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock potentials and guide them to succeed. Today on the show, we have another amazing guest. And I was very, very fortunate to be interviewed by her on Blue Talks recently. Uh, she's so packed full of energy. And that's amazing because she was on that show for, what, five days straight, 20 hours a day? <laughs> this is what it felt like, yep. But she was still very, very professional and so full of energy and was a lot of fun to talk to. And I couldn't wait to have her on my show today. Uh, she's the uh -huh. host of Blue Talks, like I said, creator of the Ben Mass of Wellness. I only thought that was applicable to math, but apparently it's on wellness as well. Uh, she helps her clients create clients from on stage. How? By, con by confidently showing up and courageously connecting with their clients. So please welcome the Courageous Connection Coach, Ms. Laura Lake. Yay! <laughs> I'm just going to give myself a round of applause. I love that you called out the bad mass of wellness. So we can start there for just a moment because awesome. I love curious people. I love it. It's, it's basically the same kind of method. I created it because of my bike accident, which we can talk about in a moment. And it just, it was, why is normal industry language and normal industry tools and strategies not working after my accident. And I racked my brain and racked my brain until I really found out that it's the internal factors like our mental health and sleep and, and the reasons why we do things mm -hmm. that creates the ripple effect because I'm lazy and I only want to do one effort and get ripple effect <laughs> results. It, it's really that kind of stuff that has to be meeting a certain level. There has to be some sort of foundation mm -hmm. in order to build on it with diet, exercise, and everything else the industry likes to tell us. So I created the Bed Mass of Wellness as an order of operations <laughs> to health. So you just take out all the math terms, put in health-related terms, and we use it basically in the same way. Well, obviously, you're, you're, very, um, you're an expert in mathematics, probably, and also in your creative mindset as well. So like mm. a good, good combination of both. Uh, but we'll, we'll dive more into that Bed Mass later. But please, please tell us more about uh, who you are, what do you do, and what are you passionate about right now? Okay, so I like to describe myself as a playful luminary change maker who likes deep conversations, hiking, and nerdy cosplay. And since I just mentioned that, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ah, oh, there we go. This is why I'm one of my many cosplays. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting in my closet. I figured that would be fun. I do. I love nerdy cosplays as I shove this back in my closet. Uh, I started my career, similar to you, in engineering. And then I went on to take architecture and drafting at the college, was doing a lot of sustainability, both with the planet as well as the, the humans using and functioning within the building. And just that, that whole experience was shifting me toward mental health, it was shifting me toward just health in general, active lifestyles, because I'm like, I see the material side and the, the planet side of, of planet sustainability, but it's not just about that. It's about the humans using that space. How can I change the way that they think through the spaces that we design and build? So this was like the beginning part of this ripple effect, the domino effect into the work that I do now of helping those heart-centered, message-driven solopreneurs, just like you and I, who have been through struggles, as I mentioned, my bike accident, 
And just, we're trying to share the lessons and the message that we have from that, but we're trying to figure out like, how much do I say that's personal? Will I be seen as weak or unprofessional? Will I be rejected on that stage for sharing that part of my story? I help those kinds of people and we have a lot of fun with it too. <laughs> awesome. So how did your, so how did you decide to make that transition? You wanted oh. to help people, but you were still doing your, your corporate job or your engineering yes. job and all that kind of stuff. How, what made you go, you know what? I need to make the jump. So I, I actually started doing health coaching for free on the side because I wasn't allowed to be paid for anything else while I was working at the job that I had at the architecture firm. So I'm like, okay, I guess I have to do this for free. So for free, I coached people on the side behind the scenes for like five years for health coaching. But then the bicycle accident happened and I physically couldn't do my job the same as I could before. Mm -hmm. I mentally couldn't do the job the same as I did before. And I just found myself starting to spin my wheels. I, I lost a lot of you know, who am I? What is my identity? I, I used to be this person, but now I'm limited. Who am I now? Mm-hmm. So eventually what happened was I got laid off. Yay. Um, companies merging and that kind of stuff. I missed the, the first wave. Half of our employees were laid off. I was the next wave of like one person in each office. So I was laid off. That was the kick in the teeth for me. And I tried to get another job, but it was in architecture, if you don't already know. Um, we are funded by either the private sector or the public sector. Mm-hmm. So in those transition phases, there's not much work for us. Right. And that's what it was, is I was laid off during one of those transition phases. Mm-hmm. So I had four different companies reach out to me after they saw that I was in need of a job. They're like, oh my God, Laura needs a job. Hey, Laura, you should apply for our job opening. And I'm like, you have a job opening? They're like, yeah, you should apply. So I apply, I get all of them. None of them work out because <laughs> all of the projects were put on hold. Oh, wow. So another kick to the teeth of, okay, am I really the badass person that I thought that I was? <laughs> I just got laid off and got told no four times mm-hmm. by people that adore me. I even got rejected for my dream job. And again, not because they didn't love me and not because I didn't have the skills. They're like, I've seen what you've been doing behind the scenes Mm -hmm. of the health coaching, of the sustainability, of the mental health and all of this work that you're doing. They're like, we know you want to be on stages Mm -hmm. just like us, because that's why you want to work for us. They're like, we know that you love sustainability and and all of this work. Why would you work here? Mm -hmm. I was like, you're jabbing me in the heart. (laughs) <laughs> My dream was to work for you. And now you're like, go away. <laughs> go away. So I did. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fine. If, if all of this architecture stuff is telling me that I should be doing this other path, let's explore this other path since mm-hmm. I really have no other options at the moment. Yeah. So oh. I did. I kind of got forced into it. <laughs> <laughs> was it. Was it something that you go, you know what? That does make sense. Or were you still okay to make that decision? Oh, it was, it was quite a few years of spinning my wheels. I, the way that I did architecture was something that is more progressive. So places like Europe and parts of Australia, they would be the first ones to take on this style of, of work. Mm-hmm. Like I would tell people, I can design your kitchen to help you eat better. 
your office to help you be more productive and your bedroom to help you sleep better. And they're like, what? They, no concept of it. Not here. It's like, so see, I, I, he just sees lock safe up here in the closet. That's where all the junk food goes in. <laughs> I know. It's, it, was, it was a mess. And I couldn't articulate it to people. Mm-hmm. So when I first started my business, it was all about architecture and, and health and kind of bringing in the active design, that well-designed, the lead, you know, all of those things that we were doing. Until I realized that I'm an entrepreneur now. Whether I like it or not. And I wanted, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur ever since grade seven. Didn't know really what it meant. It just meant that I didn't have to work for somebody else. And I wanted that. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur now, which means I can choose how to shape my business. I can choose the work that I'm doing. And since I'm an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, the person that works by myself, I want to know what other solopreneurs are going through. And I watched them mm-hmm. and I found out that one pre-COVID, pre-COVID, one in two, so that's you and me on a phone call, one in two suffered from mental health issues. And I went, whoa, that's insane. Because the general public was one in five. Um, first responders and military veterans are generally one in three, oh. but entrepreneurs was one in two. Okay, I've got tools for that. I've learned to go through that. <laughs> I can help people with that. It's still along the same lines of sustainability. But now I'm just shifting the focus and the concepts into solely the human being and not just the space that we're in. Cool. That, that um, was like the evolution. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did something I thought was very, very um, fascinating because, for instance, I usually recommend a lot of my clients to don't quit your jobs yet work on your passion stuff whether you get paid or not work on that and build that so that when something does happen you have choices and that's exactly what you did you were still doing your other stuff and you weren't getting paid for you're still kind of pursuing your passion and all of a sudden the opportunity kind of presented itself for you to go full-time onto it now is that also where the whole bed mass comes in that is the whole bed mass. So I was teaching bed mass for free um, at the beginning of all of this side hustle stuff. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what's, uh, just, what, 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 what does brackets rec, rec, uh, uh, Ooh, We're going to go through it. Yeah, we can if, go through if, it. If you don't mind sharing some of it. It'll be Not great. at all. So I'll give you the very short version. Okay. So Bed mass, as I had mentioned earlier, is the order of operations to holistic health. So we're not just talking about diet and exercise. Health is beyond diet and exercise. As per my results before, I'm like, all of my knowledge says to do this. I've gotten results with that every single time. After pregnancy, after university, after like all these things happening, I got those results. Then all of a sudden the bike accident happened and it no longer worked. So I'm like, there's got to be something. So We start with the internal factors of BED and the B stands for bed plus rest. And I write it that way on purpose because it's not just about nighttime sleep. Mm -hmm. It's about daytime rest, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of it. Even staring at a computer all day, you need to be able to look out a window and give (laughs) your eyes a rest so that you don't have all the twitchiness that happens. (laughs) Right. We need that rest. E is for emotional health. 
So what is your stress, your anxiety? Like, where are your emotions? Do you see them as communication or do you see them as good and bad? That's just trying to control you. The next part is D. D is determine and decide your why. So it's about your values, your priorities, who you are as a person, your identity, and then the reason why you do things. Because if, if I know that I need to work out or that I need to eat well or that I need to sleep, that is not the same as wanting to do it. When we feel motivated or inspired to do it, it doesn't feel like work. There's less resistance. Therefore, we'll continue. And like I said, I'm lazy. I want the one effort with ripple effect results. <laughs> oh, so I'm like, those, those are the internal factors. Everything that I have to do within myself in order for everything else to affect me in a greater scale. And that's the difference is that if, if I'm pressing that reset button of sleep, it's like rebooting a computer. It just, it naturally works better right from the start. So if I can put those little pieces in place so that I naturally take those efforts without even thinking, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. So then the, the exterior factors are M, A, and S. They stand for M is make your meals. So we're talking about nutrition, food, you know, liquids, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Drink some water. There's your reminder right now. Drink <laughs> some water. Okay. Make your meals, knowing your sensitivities, your allergies, how food affects your specific body, not general bodies. Tomatoes are a healthy food, right? Mm -hmm. Not for me. I'm allergic to tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find that out until I was like 30, wow. maybe 25, somewhere in there. Yeah. I just thought being itchy was normal. <laughs> it's not, it's not. So <laughs> that's, that's M for make your meals. A is for activity. It's not just about exercise. It's also about movement. Mm -hmm. Our bodies crave that movement. And when it's stagnant, that's when the energy is stagnant. That's when emotions, energy and motion is stagnant and it just builds up. And when it builds up, it creates those pressure points, which is tension and pain. And it, what's the word I'm looking for? It shifts your DNA. It, it shifts the expression, sorry, of your DNA. And we don't want that to happen. We want our DNA to help us, to be on our side, to support us. So A is activity, movement, and exercise. The last one was where I specialize. So S is your surroundings. It's the people, places, and things that you surround yourself with. So what are those spaces? Like how cluttered is your room or your office? Do you have a place for things? Do you have functions? Do you <laughs> vet people or have boundaries on who you have around you mm -hmm. and what they say, how you talk to yourself? Like all of that is your surroundings. Oh, wow. Very yeah. Cool. So instead <laughs> of spiraling down, which is what most people do is they're like, oh, okay, I slept like crap. So then I think like crap. So then I don't really uh, follow my values or what I say are my values. So then I eat like crap, which makes me not want to exercise, which makes my room a mess, which makes me feel bad and not sleep. See the downward spiral. Mm -hmm. So now we're building that spiral back up by constantly following that pattern. Mm -hmm. And I created a wellness wheel so that you can visually see. I wonder if I have one in here since I did a class on this in January. Yeah, somewhere. There it is. Okay, so there's, there's a wellness wheel. 
Oh, wow. And you can visually see, like, which one is my smallest one? Quick a. glance. A. a. Yeah. So A is activity. I was not working out, but yet up here is pretty good. It's just this stuff. But with the order of operations, we look at our lowest or second lowest number, mm -hmm. and we look for the one closest to the beginning of the equation, because that's what's going to have the biggest effect for the smallest effort. Mm -hmm. So I knew that my activity was closely tied with the way that I was eating at that point. Because, right, we have to make it personal. So yep. then I work on the way that I was eating and it naturally makes me want to exercise. Mm -hmm. It naturally makes me have energy to clean and, and vet my space. Oh. So that's, that's the mass of wellness. <laughs> Very, very cool. quick version. There's a lot of uh, other questions that spawn from what you just yeah. you talked yeah. about. But first of all, you mentioned about this uh, bike accident. Oh, you yes. even share just the bullet points of what happened there and how Definitely. did you um, how did you overcome it? Okay, so in 2011, I was biking to work. You know, I'm pedaling really fast down a hill because I'm like, I'm gonna get up the speed so I don't have to pedal more. Remember, lazy one <laughs> most. <laughs> <laughs> least amount of effort. Um, and I, my parents always told me that just pretend everybody on the road doesn't know how to drive and you'll be safe. Mm -hmm. So I see this lady in her driveway with brake lights on. So I'm like, okay, this lady's going to be stupid. She's totally going to back up in front of me. She won't see me. So I start slowing down. That's exactly what she does. So I, I bike around her and narrowly miss her all the way across the road and had to make a split second decision of, do I turn too much? And physics and math is going on in my head in the split second. And I'm like, okay, I did the math. I'm going to go over my bike. I'm going to go under the SUV. She's going to run over me or back over me and then run over me again. Mm -hmm. If I turn my bike, not quite enough, I'm going to run into the curb. It's going to push me over the front of my bike. I'm going to hit that telephone pole head first. Wow. I have a 17 month old at home. Neither of these are possible. Like it's not going to happen. My only goal was to just make it that one degree between the SUV and the telephone pole and just land in the asphalt driveway afterwards. Well, I didn't quite make it. I did hit the curb, but I saw it coming. So yeah. I supermaned in the air, like sideways, trying to dive around this pole, landed on the asphalt driveway. And while still feeling the asphalt under my hips and under my arm, and I hear the scissors cutting my pants so they can see the damage on my leg. I had a paramedic on this side of me and he looks at me. He's like, if you were any other person, you'd be dead right now. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it gave me the mortality or the view of mortality that I was not expecting. That moment was the moment that caused my PTSD. Well. Not the fact of the SUV or the telephone pole or any of that, but the fact that I could have died in that moment with a 17 month old at home. Ate at me, mm -hmm. ate at me. So I worked with countless doctors. I've tried over 50 different healing modalities, which is why I use a lot of them in the work that I do now. Mm -hmm. And I I've created my own because of it. Yeah. So the bed mass was one of those things that or came out of this experience. I tried everything that I knew at that point. Mm -hmm. for the health and wellness coaching. And it was not working. Personal trainers didn't know how to help me. Nutritionists didn't know how to help me. Like they were at the gym working there. And I'm like, can you please, like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. They had no answers. 
So I found my own answers. That's who I am. And, and how did you find your own answers? It's more research, trial and error. Uh, research, trial and error, a lot of self-awareness, a lot. Because I can try a different modality, but if it, if it doesn't work with my personality, my lifestyle, my preferences, it just doesn't fit right. And if it doesn't fit right, then there's too much resistance. Yep. And there's too much resistance. I don't want to do it. <laughs> so I found that trying different modalities at different points in my healing journey mm-hmm. opened me up to how those first modalities actually worked. Wow. So I would learn about something like mindfulness or EFT or uh, chiropractic and massage and natu- naturopathy, all of these other things. But because I was learning these different perspectives, it gave me more of a a holistic view of what was going on instead of a a narrow focus or siloed version. And that's what I encourage all of my clients to do in their work as well is what are those side industries, those different perspectives that help you see that same thing in different ways? Because we want to look for those patterns. I've always loved patterns. (laughs) Always loved them. So I want to look for the patterns because I want to take this big chunk of data and narrow it down like a funnel and narrow it down and narrow it down. Cause I'm like, what are the one to five things that I need to focus on? Cause I can't focus on all of this at the same time. We're human. We're not robots. It doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. Yep. So what are those one to five things I can do? Mm-hmm. Well, very interesting. Um, <laughs> going back to something else you talked to a few times is how lazy you are. Now, <laughs> okay, oh, well, I will, I will tell you, human beings are lazy. <laughs> that that is how we are built. We are built to save energy, yeah. and I know that about myself and about other human beings. So, with that knowledge, it's like, how can I be efficient? Mm-hmm. How can I be productive? To to go with my natural rhythms, but yet accomplish what I want to accomplish. Because I know a lot of people who are um, who 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 question how we do what we do our things, right? Where you're, you're a speaker, you're mm-hmm. a coach, you're a mom, you do all this other stuff, yet yeah. you say you're lazy, and people go, "Wait a minute, that's not the, exactly the definition of laziness." So how do you how do you how do you shift your mind so that you're actually productive lazy? <laughs> When I say that I am lazy, I should actually rephrase that mm-hmm. since I love words. I should say, I'm shooting on myself. I should say <laughs> something more along the lines of my natural default is laziness. Yeah. And in knowing that I can choose to embody that or I can choose to reach beyond that. But knowing that that's my default helps me to, in the moment, shift, manipulate, pick and choose what it is that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So when I, I think about these labels, I don't think about them as hard labels. I think about them as very malleable. Yeah. I can move them around and explore them. Hmm. <laughs> um, something else that you've gone into is the speaking realm. Mm. And when it comes to architecture, mathematics, and all kind of, speaking is not a strong suit for those people, usually. <laughs> Right. So is speaking something that you've always been skillful at from a young age or was it something that you go, you know, what? I want to do that. And you just start building on that. I'm going to 
say that's a yes and no. I've been on the stage since I was four. Oh. Like I love singing and acting and musical theater. And I did that right up until high school. The speaking part was the hardest part. Cause when you think of speaking, you're like, there's going to be this podium. There's going to be this microphone. You're going to need all these cue cards. You have to have it memorized. <laughs> I, I hated that. Absolutely hated it. Cause I thought that if I messed up the sentence, I would fail. And with all my childhood trauma, yay, um, I wanted to be perfect. And I wanted the people around me to be super happy so that I could be happy. I'm also an extrovert. So I feed off of those energies mm -hmm. around me. I'm learning to, to work through that and to, to cultivate that old, my own energy within me. So what I figured out was that speaking sucked <laughs> in high school. I hated it until in, I think it was grade 10 French class. Cause I took French immersion right up until grade 12. My teacher said to me, she's like, okay, the only thing I'm going to grade you on is your French. So you can talk about anything you want as long as it's in French. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, oh, this could be really fun. So do you remember those uh, stories, phrases, can't remember the term right now. Like if a tree falls in a forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? Yeah. Like those kinds of things. I did my whole speech on that because it was something that I loved and that I was curious about. Mm. The answer is no, because there's no receiver. Therefore, it's not sound. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but like I worked through all of those things, but in French. And I realized that I was no longer trying to memorize all of this stuff. And I was no longer trying to be this other person that my teacher wanted to be. It was just me enjoying and sharing my passion about mm -hmm. something that I understood versus something that I was just told to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I didn't label it as such, but really it's the difference between speaking from your head and speaking from your heart. And this is what I, I also teach my clients is to speak from their sparkle. Ooh, so if I tell you to speak from your sparkle without telling you what that means, what does that feel like to you? What does that look like to you? Well, first of all, it gives that person, at least it gives me that whole, oh, that's kind of neat. I never thought about it as a sparkle. And you can yeah. connect the sparkle to something you really, really enjoy or very, very passionate about. So it's cool. And you can tell without ever saying anything. Am I in my sparkle right now? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're, it's just this presence that you have when you show up. Mm -hmm. So when I teach people to speak from their sparkle, it's not just coming out of your head and into your heart. It's about finding those deep emotions that generally we don't want to touch on because they, it can be very heavy for some, right? Speaking from that sparkle is that place of love within yourself about the pain that you've been through. Mm -hmm. Well, so you, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, wait, 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 I can love those dark parts of myself. Yes. And that is how you get clients. Cool. <laughs> I, I totally agree with um, that whole speaking part. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I had no problem singing on stage. I had no problems dancing on stage. But once I'm standing there just speaking, I'm like, oh, this is this is not fun. Until yeah. you just kind of go, you know what? There's no such thing as perfection. You can always grow from there and just enjoy yourself while you're out there. Because uh, I think the first thing I start, started thinking about is, Everybody out there actually wants to be on stage and start speaking. 
So relish in that moment that you're on stage and speaking. So I thought that was kind of neat. And uh, it's nice to hear that uh, you used to be in in uh, like dancing productions and singing oh, yeah. productions. So uh, what was one of your favorite parts? Ooh, okay. Favorite roles? <laughs> I have to tell you this story because it's hilarious. Um, I have a poster. I should have just brought it over. But I was in a play called White Bucks and Saddle Shoes. So the idea behind it was it was the 1950s high school and all of these high school students are putting on song and dance in front of their school. So I was like, wait, there's a cheerleader. I'm super bubbly. I want the cheerleader part. So I try out for the cheerleader. I'm me. That just explains everything. So I mean, I try out and they're like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. But we want you to be the slut of the play. Oh, (laughs) what now? (laughs) I was appalled absolutely appalled but here here was their reasoning they're like okay first off you have hips second off you can sing which means you can do the solo that is required of this character (laughs) and number three you can act so (laughs) can you please play this role i'm like okay so i did but it was the most fun i ever had Because it wasn't just me expressing my favorite part about me. It was me expressing other parts of me that I didn't explore yet. So yes, I was a girl, but I always thought of myself as ugly. (laughs) So being on a stage and being like the sex symbol of this play, I was like, no, no. The stories in my mind were just going crazy. But it was just questioning and exploring and being curious and all of that experience at the same time as singing, dancing, and having fun on stage. Wow. And that's that's very important. People need to find out what they can do and and face their their limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. lots of great learning lessons from, from that experience alone. So congratulations on that. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that was one of the most difficult roles that you actually uh, took on and yeah. then excelled on, what was yeah. one of the most interesting ones that you took after that? Oh, that was mm, actually I took on the leadership role after that play. So I became director and leader and like everything. I did everything. Ah, cool. At the beginning, I was just doing like behind the scenes kind of help. But by grade 12, I was directing. I was doing costumes. I was doing fundraising. I was doing like all of it. And I was in the play. Ah, no, I, I would assume that that experience right there translated very, very well into entrepreneurship. I think so. I never <laughs> made that connection before right now, but really? yeah, you, it really you, is a lot of stretching and exploring who you are. Especially now, like you're going out there and speaking, doing engagement, mm-hmm. doing, doing events. Yeah. Fundraising might be raising capital. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You've done all that already. Used to sell those floss bracelets back in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> remember those. Uh, what I wanted to say about speaking on stage though, before I forget, is that yes, all of this, all of who you are plays a role on when you're on that stage. The narrative that I had about being a professional speaker was that I thought you needed the podium and that you needed those cue cards and that you needed to stand there. And have you heard of the box yeah. for your hands, right? You're only allowed to like 90 degrees. This is all you're allowed to do for hand movements. And I'm like, I have an acting background, musical theater. We're like... <laughs> You, you want to get the balcony people to see what you're doing. So you have to over, over exaggerate. Yeah. Right? So I found that if I just embraced 
my background and who I am and that expression that not every speaker has to be a podium speaker. Mm. I can be that person who physically acts out the concepts that I have. And I, mm. It's funny because we're here on, on Zoom and you don't see my hands <laughs> moving down here. <laughs> so, Which I think um, probably set you out differently than everybody else. Because now if there's does, like a whole, really like ten, if there's like 10 people speaking, all of a sudden you're the person that goes, oh, I remember her. Yeah, it was fun to like watch. I can do the podium speaking now, but it's not what I want to do. If you want an engaged audience, people that are going to laugh, that are going to cry, that are going to play and like emotionally communicate with the speaker, I'm your speaker. <laughs> I know that. Awesome. I'm playful that I'm playful because I'm super deep. And it really is that yin and the yang, the, the, the two sides. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be super deep, we have to balance it with my playfulness. And if I'm not allowing my playfulness, like I did before, then all you're feeling is that heaviness. And then people don't want to listen. It just, no, it doesn't feel good. But if I can be like, yeah, in 2000, wait, in 1999, we're just going to get super personal right now. So in 1999, before all of that fun with the, the musical, I was in a really dark place in my life, really dark place. And at that point, I actually attempted suicide, obviously failed, right? But when I talk about things like that, you're like, dang, that's heavy. If I don't have the playfulness or the higher energy afterwards, say, yeah, but it's because of those types of experiences that I learned that connection is what holds me here. Not the joy that we're all looking for, the happiness. Mm -hmm. It's the connection paired with the joy that has kept me here Mm -hmm. time and time again, that now I follow my joy and I speak from my sparkle, (laughs) right? (laughs) It seems like unicorns and rainbows, but I went from like suicide to unicorns and rainbows. Wow. Well, that's a a great contrast. (laughs) It's a huge contrast. But instead of denying it and minimizing it, I just, I own it. Own the whole thing, top Mm -hmm. to bottom. Cool. Very nice. Because that's how I support you and connect with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um, a, a while ago, you also mentioned how important your surroundings are. Mm. And when it comes to people, sometimes people aren't as supportive as you want them to be. And Ooh. sometimes those are the exact same people who are closest or who love you very, very much. Mm. So how do you deal with that? How do you keep yeah. those people still in your life, yet not having that, that kind of uh, a negative talk, whether it's to keep you safe and to, to make sure that you're not going to something risky, it's still talk that prevents you from proceeding or succeeding. Mm. So how do you mitigate that? I have firsthand experience with that too. <laughs> oh my God. When I was laid off from architecture, my husband went, oh shit, now I'm the breadwinner. <laughs> he did not like that. When I told him that I was becoming an entrepreneur and going through all of that stuff, he basically went, Nope, this isn't you. This isn't the version of you that I have in my head. This is not what I want to learn about. He wanted nothing to do with my business or any of that talk. That side of me did not exist. Mm -hmm. It's just this, right? (laughs) He only wanted the part of me that he knew and understood. Now I could get mad at him, which I did for a little while. It's like, you're not supporting me. I'm not successful because you're not supporting me. But 
instead, I did that for a little while. And then afterwards you realize, okay, those loved ones that we have in our life that aren't supportive, friends, family, partners, whatever, they have their own stories and their own trauma and their own belief systems and narratives around why they believe that. And that is the place that they are currently in. And that is okay. I don't choose his feelings. I don't choose his, excuse me, trauma. I know that finances has been an issue in both of our lives as children and growing up. I know that uh, abandonment is also an issue, right? He felt kind of like I abandoned him in the family because I was no longer the one paying a big chunk of the bills. So there's, there's all this stuff that comes up, but just understanding that that person is looking at life through the set of filters that they have and not your set of filters. And it gives us just a little bit of compassion and a little bit of empathy to go, okay. And then instead of asking the other person to change, what we actually do is we come into ourselves and we ask ourselves, okay, what am I looking for in other people? Am I looking for support, validation, appreciation, love, you know, all these things that we can list out? How can I fill those needs myself? How can I start appreciating myself, validating myself, loving myself, and supporting myself? Mm-hmm. Once we start taking those actions and discovering what that looks like for us, because yes, it's individual as well, then the other person doesn't feel like they're being dragged in to fill your needs for you. And because you're starting to fill those needs, they don't feel that weight and that pain and that burden. They can just come as they see fit to help you fill those needs. Because guess what? If, if you're feeling loved, you're going to radiate love, even if you're giving that love to yourself. Same thing with support, validation, appreciation, all that stuff that we're looking for. So if you're starting to fill those needs, your own needs, Fong, mm-hmm. I am more apt to naturally, without effort, help you fill those. It's the same thing the universe does with us. Right. If we're not trying to take action on the things that we want and our goals, and we're just thinking about it, the universe doesn't want to help us. They're like, you're not even trying. Why should I help you if you are not even trying? Right. It's the same thing with our, our loved ones. Mm-hmm. Why should they fill our needs if you're not even trying? Exactly. Was, and it hurts. It hurts. Was one of those things that you did to reach outside of your normal circle of influence and mm-hmm. find other communities, other people, mentors, coaches to kind of fill, fill some of that space that you cannot do alone? Definitely. So <laughs> I'm all about connection because I've been to that place and I realized that's what I was missing. The difference between attempting suicide and just thinking about suicide was me feeling like I was connected, whether I was or not, it was feeling connected. So I didn't feel connected to anything in grade nine and I felt connected later in life, which is why I never took the action. So if I am uncrossing my legs, cause oh my God, they're sore. Um, if I am looking for support and validation and I'm trying to move forward and take action on all these things. Um, I don't remember where I was going with this. <laughs> I was sore. And then the pain was just like, you need to do something. I apologize. What was your original question? So I could. I was saying that in order to find that action that you took was one of those actions to go outside of your normal circles <laughs> influence and okay. mentors and coaches. And community. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so my lizard brain, right. Our survival brain says, we have to belong. 
we have to belong. But why do we have to belong? Because when we belonged in our community, it meant that the community helped look after us. And if we didn't belong, then it generally meant that we were kicked out of our community or our tribe, which 99% of the time basically meant death. <laughs> so our survival brain is like, you have to belong in order to survive. The good thing about the world right now is that just because we don't belong in our high school class, in our family, right, that happens in, in our church setting, in, you know, the grocery store, whatever it happens to be, there is a world of countless communities on the internet mm -hmm. and in your city, your town, whatever, countless communities where you can express different parts of yourself or all of yourself, depending on which community you're a part of. Mm -hmm. And that's the best part is now we can choose, okay, with you, I can express um, a lot of my business side, a little bit of my playfulness. You may not want like my parenting, parenting side, but I'm not going to hide it from you because it's still me. I'm just not going to showcase it front and center. Mm. Right. And that's the difference is we're, we're being authentic in all of our roles, but we're always a whole and complete version of our authenticity. So choose, choose your communities. I have so many communities now versus the maybe three that I had at the beginning of this entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. So um, something else you're very, very good at is creating clients from on stage. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to, I know you, there's almost an hour is almost up, so I don't want to go too far into <laughs> it. But if okay. you could please give us the, the main uh, missed opportunities that people do when they're on stage. Ooh, okay. Where to start with that one? That's like a loaded question. There's so much. Um, where I want to start with that is that the missed opportunities is <sighs> when people hide the truth. And when I say hide the truth, like I work with people with struggle stories, right? It's because of that mess, because of that struggle that we do the work that we do. If you are on stage, Fong, and you, you do the work that you do because of a struggle story that you have or a mess that you've been through, you've learned lessons, you're sharing it with people. You're like, oh, okay, I want to be seen as professional and I want people to like me. So I'm going to keep my window of truth within this. But in reality, you have extra highs and you have extra lows. Your extra highs are those people that are already working the journey and just quite haven't quite gotten there yet. They're working, they're, they're consistent, they're just not there yet. They need that little bit of boost and that's that little bit of boost for them. At the bottom of the scale, this is where you create clients. And that's why I said we're not finding clients on stage. We are creating them on stage because it's in that bottom piece that is the hard truth that say, if we were six-year-olds playing hide and go seek, I see you, Fong. I see your toes hiding from behind that curtain with those, those plaid purple socks on. And you're like, yeah, I am hiding behind the curtain. And yes, I'm wearing pur purple plaid socks you feel seen mm -hmm. without ever seeing me. So you come out of hiding because you're like, I'm already seen. Mm -hmm. There's no point in hiding anymore. This is what we're doing on stage. It's, it's in that piece that we don't want to talk about, which is generally saved for people who have earned it, not, not a general audience, but more of a niche audience where you can get into that detail to say, I see you. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You want to know why I see you? Because I've been in your place before. And here's why. Here's the truth that nobody likes to talk about. Uh, yeah. Nice. Um, the other thing you're very good at is showing up. And that's something you also tell your clients that they need to show up. Now, aside from physically showing up, <laughs> what else does showing up mean? Okay. I love this question because I'm, I'm learning to own this part of me. I've been learning to receive based on my accomplishments and my doingness for years, which I finally am starting to get down packed. I'm still working on receiving for my beingness. So I'm going to do this practice with you here live. I have been told (laughs) in, in recent months that even when I'm not speaking on a stage, I could be completely silent and I'm in the chat (laughs) and I'm just, I'm on camera and I'm not saying anything. I have such a presence being in a space that that presence is worth just as much, if not more than the words that I say. Mm -hmm. Receiving that, taking it in. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So now I like to tell people, I'm practicing telling people that showing up isn't just about, okay, I've done the healing work. I'm speaking from love versus pain. Now I'm telling my story. I'm telling the truth of it to that niche audience that understands how to, to hear that. Uh, And now I need to just own that. Just own all of it and say my presence on that stage, my energy my, my smile, my nonverbal cues, all of that. It's, it's how I engage. It's how I just am. It's my beingness that matters. Cause if, if I'm just like, okay, yeah, thanks Fong. I have so much awesome content for all of your tribe. It's just the bomb. You're going to be like, I'm not going to listen to her because she's not even looking at me. Right. <laughs> it's it's so powerful if you take your favorite ted talks or blue talks or whatever videos you're watching look to put it on mute we'll just say that put it on mute and watch them and you'll see the difference between somebody who has presence and somebody who has content because mm-hmm. if they only have content you're going to shut it off probably within a minute. If they have presence, you're, you're probably going to watch that whole video, even though it's on mute. You're listing out a whole bunch of university professors. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, university was not a great time <laughs> because of that. Well, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people by now have noticed how much energy you have. Just a little. So what is your, what's your secret? How do you start your day? Ooh. That is changing. I'm playing with some morning routines. Mm -hmm. So I guess really what I do is I start my day with curiosity. I start my day with playfulness. I start my day with following my joy. So sometimes that means writing in a mindfulness book, which my goal is not to finish the book by a certain day, but to just finish the book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And other mornings it is belting out power vocals on the side of the highway Uh, right now one of my favorite songs is i am the fire by hailstorm 
-hmm. Like I listen to about 17 different languages, all types of genres. I don't understand most of it. It's perfectly fine. Because to me, music is about the energy and the expression, not necessarily the words that they say. Because even when you speak, my mind goes, oh, Fong is talking. Oh, they're words. Oh, it's English. Okay, let's let's figure out what those words are and then put it into a sentence. It's not here are the words Fong is saying. It's that whole process. Like I love sound because sound is expression. Okay, what, one more tiny little story. Because <laughs> I love this part. When you're talking to a dog, if you have a tone, right, your presence of super sweet and excited and loving it, but yet you're calling the dog names, it's going to react as if you're super sweet and loving and saying nice things to it, even though it doesn't understand you. And you can go the opposite way too. You could be really mean and angry and say loving things to the dog. And the dog is like, oh my God, what is wrong with my human? What did I do? The presence is the same showing up is the same. My, my morning routines and my daily stuff and how I show up the way that I do is because I'm present to my energy and my presence. Wow. Yeah. Very, very cool. My, my last formal question for you uh, sure. is you're on the world stage and Ooh. you're allowed one or two minutes to give your last message for everybody to remember Laura for. What's that message? <sighs> Ah, I love this question. Okay. The biggest thing for you to do in your life is to choose you because you are the only one that is going to be with you your entire life and to speak from your sparkle because your voice matters and your voice will create change based on who you are. So when you're speaking from that sparkle, all that happens is you just coming out of your mouth and shining the whole world just made that up right now <laughs> <laughs> but still very very good words uh, right yeah um, try not to tear up at the same time <laughs> okay i'm going to try and help with that uh, <laughs> so i have five quick questions for you rapid fire give me the first mm. thing that comes to mind okay. first thing is i know you have this nerdy sideness and the side oh, yes. area of you you're hosting an event Okay. Yep. And you're allowed to bring in three keynote speakers and it's in the sci-fi genre, any fictional, they could be made up. They could be any character, which would be the three biggest keynote speakers that you would bring in at your event. Oh my God. There's too many. Okay. Um, <laughs> probably Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> So many cool things. Sci-fi stuff. Ooh. Um, let's go with Batman because he's got a bunch of trauma. So that'll be interesting. And then... Hmm. I'm trying to envision him in, <laughs> in full costume standing up. Oh, yes. No, he has to wear the costume. <laughs> Gadgets and all. Maybe the bat car. Like something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and then there's a character in a book. It's called Kushal's Legacy by Jacqueline Carey. The main character's name is Phaedra. Mm -hmm. And she, she's a, I'm going to call her a mental heroine. So she doesn't use swords or anything like that. She uses her mind, not magic. There's no magic. She just is such a powerhouse of a woman. Yeah. It's, 
like I have a tattoo from the main character. My daughter's named after one of the princesses in the book. Like, mm-hmm. and my husband has read the series more times than I have. Wow, it's can- like Game of Thrones meets Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Love it. If you have a chance to read it, I would. I think those three. So Phaedra Delaney, mm-hmm. uh, Jean-Luc Picard. And Batman. And then it was my third one. Batman. I don't know. Batman oh, yes, Batman, costume. full costume, because <laughs> I want, like, the dark version of Batman. What is uh, what is one Broadway uh, power ballad that you would love to be able to perform on stage one day? I have performed Fame. Yes, from Chicago. But what is one that you haven't done yet that you would like? Oh, to I don't know, actually, a whole lot of Broadway shows. Because <laughs> uh, most of my musical theater is Broadway shows, but then we performed them all after we learned them. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. how about not Broadway? Any song? Any oh, song that you would like to be able to perform one day? On like a big stage. I want to perform Little Mermaid, Part <laughs> of This World, because that is basically my song. <laughs> uh, yeah, Part of This World by the Little Mermaid. The first time I ever sang it in public we were at a toga party and somebody dressed me in green and purple ribbons. So I wore the ribbons on stage <laughs> <laughs> singing part of this world, my little mermaid. Nice. Um, Strand on a desert island. Oh, okay. One food for the rest of your life. No consequence. No consequences. Nothing. I'm going to get specific and say chocolate vegan shakeology. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Because I was going to say chocolate, but then I'm, I'm actually lactose intolerant, but then you said no consequences. Yeah. So mm. <laughs> and then I'm like, chocolate is not going to make me feel very good. Mm-hmm. So definitely the Shakeology part, get all my nutrients in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What show or movie universe, whatever it is, would you like to be a part of? Oh, oh my God. Oh, so many. Hmm. Ooh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I would love. I'm playing it right now, the new one. So I guess it's Horizon Forbidden West, but just that whole post-apocalyptic mechanical beasts and yet sci-fi and yet like old school tribal feel like all of it combined into one. I find myself spending more time climbing mountains I shouldn't be able to climb versus (laughs) the actual main quests in the game. (laughs) normally I only have five questions for my guests, but I'm having so much fun with you and we've hit the sci-fi chord. So I, I get to keep on going. Uh, Jean-Luc Picard, yes. Batman, and yes. that other character you talked about, I forgot the name, sorry. They show, they, show up at, they show up at your home and uh, they're hungry. So you're hosting this dinner party for them. Ooh. What is your special dish or entree that you could prepare for them? Okay, I'm still learning to cook. Mm-hmm. If you'd asked me about five years ago, you might not want to eat my cooking. But <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I've got flaws. Uh, I'm told I make a really good Italian wedding soup. Ah, so yeah. I will probably make them that. Awesome. Or some <laughs> random thing that popped into my head five minutes before they showed up. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. <laughs> Let's try this. <laughs> and my last question, what is success like? But before that, give me a number between one to three. Ooh, ooh, this. Okay. Uh, you keep saying between. Well, uh, I'm just going to go with three. I'm going to go against the rules. <laughs> want me to go this way or this way? The one way over there. This one? Yeah. 
So how is success like a robe? Hmm. Success is something that wraps around you. <laughs> <laughs> like it is, it's the transition between this fruit fly that is driving me crazy and <laughs> it, it's the transition phase between being in one state and being another where it, it, it encompasses all of your body and it, it feels smooth. It feels luxurious. It gives you that warmth that says, I love this. I love that. I just had a shower. <laughs> I love that. I just took care of myself. I love that. I was me and nurturing myself. And now I get to come into this new world, clean, refreshed, energized, and feeling warm and wrapped all at the same time. That's awesome. And that's how success is like a rope. Thank I you. I love that. <laughs> um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want you for a speaking engagement, if they want to know more about your, your skills and what you do can do for them? What's the best way to contact you? So my favorite way for people to contact me is actually via Facebook Messenger. So you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Laura Lake Designs with an S on the end. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse under the, the heading at Laura Lake SD, which stands for Sustainable Design. Yeah, that's a word I made up. <laughs> so at Laura Lake SD. Um, I found out that my website domain is no longer there. So <laughs> I'll have to redo that. But what it is, is it's Laura starts with B as in the bed massive wellness. So Laura starts with B.com. Mm -hmm. may not be up at the moment but by the time you're watching this it might be so yeah awesome. thank you uh any last words from you speak from your sparkle and to choose <laughs> you i love it courageously connect with your audience that's how it works well great thank you very much for your time i had a lot of fun talking to you and learned a lot and it's not every day i could talk about sci-fi stuff with people so thank <laughs> you very much for that <laughs> i need like oh. a laser gun to just shoot that little fruit fly <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you very much again. Um, got lots of great tips and lots of great stories from you. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Awesome. Bye, everyone. So for everybody else, she is Laura. My name is Paul Chuan. Until next time, today is the day to lock your peak potential. We'll all see you later. <laughs>